Hello. Here on Search for Truth, our present series of Bible teaching programmes is called A Good Place to Begin. But today, after 11 weeks' study, sadly, it's about to end. And over the last three or four weeks, Brian, our Bible teacher, has been looking into how the first disciples organised church life and where they found their scriptural blueprint for church operation. Today we come to the final letter of our acronym and here's Brian to reveal what it stands for. Thanks John. We're tracing finally how the T stands for temple in our use of the word script to communicate something of the biblical pattern. Let me remind you that we've been making a play on the word script in these studies that we're now completing. We've been treating the word script as an acronym where each letter serves as the initial letter of a key word in God's New Testament prescription for how we do church. So as we say, T is for temple. We're going to get into one New Testament passage in particular, and in summary, the result will be to confirm that in the first century, the spiritual temple, or house of God, was understood to be comprised of all the local churches of God taken together in united service. This served as the update on the physical temple of the Old Testament, notably the first one built by King Solomon. Well, let's begin by having a short reading from the end of the second chapter of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So then, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, or it could be read, in whom every building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 2 and from verse 19. We're emphasising overall that God's ultimate purpose is not our salvation, but rather that we should be something for him and for his glory. Previously, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 9, God once said of his former people, Israel, that they were his portion and his inheritance. Now, here in this chapter, Paul's making it clear the same racial barrier no longer applies. God is now, in this age, dealing with Gentiles on an equal footing with Jews. That's the difference that the cross has made. Jews and Gentiles together can now be something for God even while here on earth. They are fellow members of the church, which is Christ's body, which when viewed in the eternal or heavenly realm is complete and perfect. But we also see its members who are on the earth specifically those to whom Paul writes in the Church of God at Ephesus, members on earth who are struggling to grasp what God intends them to become for him now. And Paul's been praying in chapter 1 that they'll grasp it. Paul tells this Gentile local church that they are no longer separate from Christ, nor excluded from the promises, nor strangers with neither hope nor God. Far from it, they've actually been brought he says, into the household of God. The word used there means either family or household or house, and we must in every case seek out which is the correct meaning from the immediate context. Here, 
since the talk is about a building and about a foundation and a cornerstone, Paul has to be referring to the house rather than the family of God in this instance. And this is a topic of Bible-wide significance and perfectly fits the flow of thought here as Paul thinks about saved men and women being built up in the apostles' teaching to be something for God by their offering service to God in an organised and structured way, which was an expansion upon the exclusively Jewish arrangements of the Old Testament. In other words, Paul, at the end of chapter 2, begins to elaborate on what God has in mind as the present goal of our conversion experience, which is that we should become a house or temple for God on the earth. In these terms, Paul's not describing a scene in the eternal heavenly realms, but he's talking about a temporal and spiritual structure on this earth, which believers, such as those in the Church of God in Ephesus, were then part of. Nowhere, in fact, does Paul ever describe the entire church the body as a temple. Quite the opposite. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that God's temple is capable of being destroyed. And that's a fate that can never befall the body of Christ, as the Lord's famous words in Matthew 16 prove. The Lord said there, you remember, that the gates of Hades would never prevail against his church, which is his body. But Bible-wide, the destruction of some of God's previous earthly residences or temples is well documented. For example, at Shiloh and at Jerusalem, where his temporary tabernacle and later more permanent temple had once stood. We see then that God's temple is not the same as Christ's body. Having said that, it's curious how so many commentators simply assume that Paul has nothing other than the church, the body, in his sights here at the end of Ephesians chapter 2, even to the point that it has an impact on the very translation of verse 21. Should it read all the building, or should it say every building, in relation to the thing that's growing into a holy temple in the Lord? The point at dispute is the word the. Is it properly there or not? More than half of the ancient manuscripts witness to its absence. And that being the case, respected Greek language authorities say conclusively that the most accurate meaning here is every building. In turn, this means we're talking about a built-up structure on earth, which is spoken about as having a foundation and a cornerstone and is overall comprised of individual buildings, but altogether forming a single temple. In all these particulars, what we have described here is reminiscent of the disciples in Matthew 24 verse 1, pointing out to Jesus the buildings of the temple, that is, at that time the rebuilt Jerusalem temple, Herod's beautified temple as it was then. That can only be a, a helpful analogy, of course, for within Christianity we know physical structures have no importance. They've been replaced. But let's remind ourselves with what? The local church of God at Corinth was in every way exactly like the local church of God at Ephesus, to which Paul was currently writing. And how did Paul describe that local church, the one at Corinth? He described those who formed it by saying to them, you are God's building, 
1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. And then he further says to them in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27, you are in character body of Christ. In other words, each local fellowship of faithful disciples, each carefully following the apostles' teaching, each of them took its character from the church, the body. And together with all the other local fellowships, they were the buildings of the temple that's being described here in overall terms at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. And it's a spiritual temple or house, the New Testament answer to the Jerusalem temple after the cross. So while the temple of God and the body of Christ are different, there's a clear connection between them, of course, as a temple derives its character from the body. Obedient believers, like those to whom Paul was writing, are charged to visibly express in character and on earth the wonderful reality of Christ's church. Sadly, we fail to do that when, throughout Christendom, we are divided by differences. So for all believers today, as those enlightened at the time of their salvation, Paul's prayer in chapter 1 applies. That's Ephesians chapter 1. And that prayer was, I pray, Paul says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. Ephesians 1 verses 18 and 19. Remember, he's praying that we come to experience more of God personally, and he tells us how that can happen. It's when we travel to the end of this chapter with Paul, as we've done, Ephesians chapter 2, and see how we too are invited to be included in belonging to this temple that's made up of people, people whom God is delighted to view today as his inheritance in the same way as he once regarded Israel as being that. This is the hope God wants to realise now by calling us through the gospel, and it's surely a major part of the good works he's prepared for us to do before the world even began to exist. Summing up, the temple or house of God was understood then to be comprised of all the first century New Testament churches of God together in united service. And so the T in our use of the word script, stands for one overall temple as we seek to communicate something of the biblical pattern for today. I do hope you've enjoyed and found today's study helpful. And if you've got any questions about uh, any of the talks in this series, then do write in to brian at 
sft at churchesofgod.info. The transcript book of all the talks in this series is also helpful uh, for further study, so please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. First, you can get it online. You can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Another way you can do it is to write in and request a hard copy book. Just ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin, and remember to include your postal address so we know where to send it. And you can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that most titles of Search for Truth transcript books have been turned into ebooks and they are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. And when you're in the Kindle store, type Search for Truth Brian Johnston into the field and you'll find them. Many books can also be ordered as a conventional print book from Amazon Bookstore or even from our own bookstore at www.hayespress.org. And when you're in the site, use Explore Our Shop. That's almost all for today, and it is the end of this series. So thanks again for the pleasure of your company and spending your time with us. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'd be delighted if you join me again next week for the start of a brand new series. But for now, it's goodbye. Very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. <laughs>